This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. This morning, we're going to go into a brand new series called Value. And so if you're a note taker, write this title down, Reality of Grace. Reality of Grace. You can go ahead and also uh, download that uh, Uversion Bible app and make sure that you follow along if you brought your smartphone or your tablet or what have you, and the sermon will be available on there as well. A copy of my notes will be available on there. So if you want to follow along using that tool, you can. Also, I want to give you one more reminder that we do have Bibles at the back of the sanctuary. So if you ever forget your Bible, don't feel weird. Just go back there and get one. You can put it back when you're done. If you don't have a Bible, you can have that one because consider that our gift to you. We want you to have a Bible in your possession. So nobody's going to like tackle you as you walk out the doors or anything like that. Uh, You can take that home if you don't have a Bible. Don't just take it because yours is worn out. If you don't have one, if you don't have one, please consider that our gift to you. It's the English Standard Version. So even if you do use the Uversion app and you want to read along, um, change your translation settings to the English Standard Version. And uh, that's what I'm preaching and teaching out of every week. So we're starting a brand new series called Value, Reality of Grace is the title of the sermon this morning. And I want to ask you this question. Why is a lie so much easier to believe than the truth? Why is a lie so much easier to believe than the truth? I begin to think about this, and I think it's really because lies are really manufactured to satisfy some emotional need that we have. It's a lot easier to buy into a lie oftentimes than it is the truth, because we hear the truth taught, and the truth is supposed to make us free, right? And we hear messages about being free in Christ. They all know the truth and the truth will make us free. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody high fives and gets excited. But then we still live lives that are defeated. So if we're still living in bondage, but the truth is that we're free, then we have bought into this idea that we're living out of this understanding and true faith in this lie that we've given power to rather than giving a power and rest to the truth that actually does truly make us free. So many people will say, oh, you're free in Jesus. Yes, I'm free, but I'm still dealing with this issue. I'm still struggling with this feeling of worthlessness. I'm still dealing with my past. I'm still dealing with the present. I'm still dealing with all these issues. So if this is reality, how does it shift from just being something that I know to something that I experience? And I think that that's the challenge for every one of us, but lies are manufactured to satisfy emotions because they excuse oftentimes and make sense of why we feel rejected or why we feel the way that we do or why we're in the situation that we're in. It's a lot easier to get caught up in giving power to the lie. We believe these lies so much that we will recite them, we replay them over and over in our minds, and then they begin to shape our perception of the truth. The distortion of truth causes us to give in to this idea of being victims instead of victors. It invites us to be depressed instead of delivered. It entices us to compare instead of compliment. We allow these lies to define us really because ultimately, guess what? We decide what defines us. You decide what defines you. And when we empower the lie, then we're just deciding 
what we're going to give power to in order to define us. You see, we either chip away at our own self-worth by the things we think about and the things we say, or we chip away at another self-worth by the things that we say to them. Either way, we're the one holding the axe. You see, the only path to freedom, real freedom, is to stop believing the lies and to begin to allow your identity to be shaped through grace, through faith, and through Christ alone. And over the next few weeks as we go through this series, we're going to go through this series called Value to help us to see how deep God's love is and how great His grace is. So here's my desire. Here's my prayer throughout this series is that you would have an encounter with truth. And that truth would set you free from the bondage that lies have caused you in your life. I want us to actually encounter this message of truth. I want us to actually live this message of truth instead of just hearing something and being hopeful. I believe that he wants us to be free indeed. Amen, church? And if the truth makes me free indeed, then I need to start believing the truth and I need to stop believing these lies. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and go over to Ephesians chapter 2. it's going to be kind of our foundational text. So hang out on Ephesians chapter 2. Even if we go other places, always come back to Ephesians chapter 2 because this is really going to be the foundation of this teaching today. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work, in, in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Not a result of works so that anyone would boast. For we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is an extremely powerful passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus to help them to understand their positional reality, their positional reality being one that is not a child of wrath, being one that is not enslaved to sin, being one that is not enslaved to bondage, one that is not worthless, one that is not hopeless, but rather he's painting an image. This is who you used to be. But you're not that anymore. But it's not anything you did that changed your situation. It's what Jesus did. Jesus changed your situation. It's by grace you've been saved. Grace is something that you and I did not deserve. We did not work for. We could not earn it. It is something that Jesus gave freely. He said, I'm going to forgive them freely. I'm going to love them freely. I'm going to make a path for them to be reconnected to God Freely, and they're not going to have to work to earn God's love. They're not going to have to strive and sweat and toil to earn God's favor and His love and His forgiveness. I'm giving it as a free gift. And because Jesus did that, then you and I now have positionally 
changed from being children of wrath to children of God. And what the, the, this text really shows us in just this, these brief few sentences and paragraphs that we read is that nothing makes you better than anyone. Nothing makes you better than anyone. There's so many things in this world that would try to classify us as being more important or being better or being uh, more uh, important than another person. So many things in our day uh, are, are hitting the news cycle that are putting people in different categories that are saying these people are more valuable or these people matter more than other people when we all matter to God, amen? And here's the thing is that nothing, not one single thing you can do makes you better than anyone. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what mistakes you made. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how well respected you are in the community. Nothing makes you better than anyone. We are all by nature, Paul said, children of wrath. So guess what? Without Christ, we're all in the same boat. Every one of us, without Christ, we're all in the same boat. We're in the hopeless boat. We're in the boat with no hope. We're acting out of our nature by being children of wrath. You can tell whose child we are because we're acting like our father. We're being a child of wrath because we belong to Satan. We're acting like a child that is full of wrath and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and malice and all sorts of things because by nature, that's where we were without hope. But then once Christ comes into the picture... We're no longer children of wrath. We're no longer those sons and daughters of disobedience. Now we have a different father, and God is our father, and we should emulate or we should live out the things that should show this world what he's done in our lives. Amen? You see, by nature we're all children of wrath, and and then we're all made alive together in Christ. I love how the Apostle Paul says, together. He says, all of us together. So in other words, this doesn't make me better than anyone else because there's nothing I could do to make myself better in the eyes of God. Jesus had to do it for me. But because he did it, his great grace has paid the price for me to have the ultimate stamp of value put on my life. And that's one that says, you were worth dying for. Amen? That's one that says, you were worth dying for. And oftentimes when we talk about value especially as you even hear a message concerning the idea or the topic of value, so many people think, oh, this is going to be a message that's going to encourage the people who don't feel very good about themselves or have low self-esteem. And that may very well happen. But too many times we focus on that end of the spectrum and we miss the other side of the reality of grace. Not only should grace give me value to bring me up out of the ditch that I may be in, but grace and the reality of grace should also bring us off of our high horse where we begin to think we're better than others. Because if I truly have a reality of grace, then I realize I'm not better than anyone and I have to get off my high horse and I also need to get out of the ditch as well and see myself as God sees me. Amen, somebody? You see, there's only really two kinds of people in the world that Paul is talking about, children of wrath and children of God. In John chapter 8, Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the guys who everyone in the community thought had it together. And in John 8, you can read verse 31 through 45, 
he illustrates to them and points out to them this idea of whose father that they really claim. Because these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they begin to say, we're children of Abraham. And by lineage, by heritage, yes, they were children of Abraham. But Jesus said, you guys aren't acting anything like Abraham. And they said, yeah, but Abraham's our father. He said, no, this is not how Abraham acted. He said, because you Pharisees are wanting to murder me. He said, Abraham did not want to murder people. You guys are murderers, and you're also spreading lies about me. He said, you're not of Abraham. He said, you're not of God. He said, actually, you're of your father, the devil. And he's the father of all lies, and he's been a murderer since the beginning. And that's who you're acting like. He said, that's who you're emulating. He said, so you can say all day long that Abraham is your father. You can say all day long God is your father, but your father is really the one that you've identified with, that you've allowed to shape your identity and the things that you have chosen to do and emulate in this world. And Paul says, we were all there before Christ. Some people are blinded to see their need because they think they're better than everyone, and some people are blinded to their need because they like playing the victim. Some people are blinded to their need because when they believe the lie, then it satisfies some emotion in them that they begin to feel somehow, some way satisfied emotionally if they just stay in this lie. Because facing the truth would be too hard. Dealing with reality and dealing with truth would be too difficult. Because it's not always something that gives us the warm fuzzies. Warm fuzzies are good, but sometimes truth is not always warm fuzzies, right? Sometimes truth is more difficult, but when I hear that truth, how am I going to respond to it? How am I going to allow truth to shape my reality? Am I going to continue to allow lies and deception shape my reality and my perception of reality? Or am I going to do what the Apostle Paul says here and realize that I'm not better than anybody because, wow, Paul makes very clear in Ephesians chapter 2, Once he talks about these sons of disobedience, these children of wrath, he makes sure to write to these Christians in Ephesus like we all once were. In other words, before Christ, we were all like this. I'm not just saying that we're better than those people. No, I'm saying we are just like those people. The only difference now in our lives is that we have put our faith and our hope in Christ, and He has changed our situation. He has changed our value. He has changed our identity because we're all lost without Christ, and we're all saved because of Christ. Nothing makes me better than anyone, so my value does not come from what I have accomplished in life or what I failed in at life. Your value is centered in the very grace of God. Your value is centered, it's grounded in the grace of God. So, in other words, your value is not contingent upon you. Your value is not contingent upon you. Your value is, however, contingent upon your ability to recognize the power of the grace of God and your inability to do anything other than depend on His grace. So really, if you want to properly look at this, your value is truly based on your perception of a grace reality. How do you perceive grace? Because grace is truth, amen? What Christ did for us is truth. The value that he placed on us is truth. But our perception of that truth is going to shape what's real for me. Because I could be living a complete disillusioned lie based on what I give power to. 
how I perceive it, how I look at it. And that can come from a number of sources. It can be from things that I've heard, things that have been told to me. Perhaps your reality and your perception of reality has been shaped by what others have spoken to you about you. And because of that, your perception of yourself or reality has been skewed from what was true because those people handed you a lie. And you've been holding on to that lie and you have believed it so much that it has shaped not only the way you see yourself, but the way you see the world, the way you see others, the way you see God. I love when Jim Green was sharing uh, earlier, and he talked about how important it was for fathers to tell their daughters that they were beautiful and that they were uh, worthy and that they were loved and that they were pretty and to give them that value. Because so many times, if that's not given from that father figure, then what happens is that the reality or their perception of God gets distorted and they begin to feel unworthy to God because they didn't feel worthy to their father. They begin to feel unloved from God because they feel unloved from their earthly father. It's very difficult for us to believe in God, our father, who loves us unconditionally when our example of what a father should be perhaps wasn't the best. That's really difficult. That's why it's so important that while we have the time with our children that we do, that we recognize the importance of the influence and the responsibility that God has given us, and that we let those children know, those young, impressionable children, know that they are valued, that they are loved, that they are accepted, that even when they fail, we still have not rejected them, that we forgive them, that we reconcile with them, that we let them know that even their disobedience and their flaws and their mistakes don't change their status of being loved and accepted as our children. We may not approve of what they do, but we still approve of them because they're ours. And when we give that type of value to our children, it begins to help give them a healthier view of God as their father. Now, maybe your father was not perfect, and maybe your father made some mistakes. I'm sure that he did. Maybe your father wasn't even around. It doesn't matter what your situation is. Your perception has been shaped and carved out by what others have handed you, but you now have the responsibility to have your mind renewed and your views shaped of who God is by the truth of His Word, not by what someone else has done to you or said to you or whether they were there or whether they were absent. God has said, this is who I am. You can trust it. I'm going to help you walk through your woundedness and find a a path to healing and restoration and give you a sense of value. You see, that's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of God that loves us so much that He gave His only Son to take the punishment we deserved. That's the grace of God. That's why we're all in the same situation. That's why no one is better than anyone else because we all deserve death because of our rebellion and because of our disobedience and because of our disconnection from God that we have lived in. But Jesus said, no, I see value and I'm willing to give my life so that they can be brought back into the family of God. If I allow that to shape my view of not only God, but of the way that God sees me 
and I'm centered in that grace of God, then I realize this is not something I have to do to measure up to God's love. This is something that He gives freely because He's my Father and because I'm His. It'll change the way that I see myself. It'll change the way I treat other people because I'll recognize, man, I'm not better than anyone. Too many times we get caught up in comparing ourselves, especially when we feel bad about ourselves or bad about something we've done. Oh, we blew it. We messed up. We made a mistake. Well, at least... I got upset and I yelled at my kids and I said things I shouldn't have said, but man, at least I'm not as bad of a parent as my neighbor. I heard what they were saying to their kids the other day. And we begin to do that kind of stuff. We begin to compare ourselves. Oh man, I, I really should have done this and I knew God was leading me to do this. Well, at least I'm at church and I hadn't seen so-and-so in a while. They don't even go as much as I do. They don't do as much as I do. Look at all the things I've done. Look at my track record. Look at all the accomplishments that I have. And we begin to roll this stuff out like we're polishing our trophies for God to admire. You think God is impressed with our trophies that we polish when we begin to compare ourselves to other people? No. We're all in the same boat without Jesus, and we're all in the same boat because of Jesus. And that gives us all hope because it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter how oppressed you've been. It doesn't matter how much junk has come into your life or how you've been abused or neglected or how you've been treated and pampered. It doesn't matter. We all have the same need, and it's Jesus. And he's still the answer, and his grace is sufficient. And when his grace becomes my reality, it shapes everything else in my life. So when you start hearing anything less than grace, you need to stop yourself. When you speak anything less than grace, you need to stop yourself. And you need to say, where'd that come from? Where, who told me that? Why am I thinking that? Why am I believing that? Is that true? Does that line up with the Word of God? Does that line up with God's perception? Does that line up with grace? When I begin to feel like, man, I've messed things up. There's no way I'm getting out of this. Oh, I've blown it. i completely blown it. I wish I would have done this differently. There's no hope for me anymore. Might as well just give up and just go drown all my blues and sorrows in food or at the bar or whatever the case may be. And when we begin to get to that place, we need to stop and go, wait, 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 wait. Who said that? Who said I was never going to amount to anything? Who said that I was going to fail? Who didn't believe in me? And why did I believe the lie that they didn't believe in me? Why did I accept that as truth? Why did I do that? Hold on, is that what God says? Is that what grace says? Does grace say it's over for me? Does grace say that I'm a failure and I'm never going to succeed? Does grace say that I've blown it as a parent? Does grace say that I've blown it in my marriage? Does grace say that this is too irredeemable? No, what does grace say? It says, you are still mine. I want to reconcile. I want you to know that you're loved. I want you to know that you are mine. What does grace say? So when you begin to speak the lie, when you begin to give power to the lie, you need to recognize, where is that coming from? And you need to stop yourself. And you need to say, no, I'm not going to give power to the lie so it becomes a reality. I want to live the truth because it's the truth that sets me free. Amen? Amen? And for us to do that, we just simply replace the lie with the reality of grace. We replace the lie with the reality of grace. And this works both ways. Some people have an issue of feeling worthless, and they need to hear the message that you are loved. They need to hear the message of the truth 
that says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That said that it doesn't matter how low that you have gone, that he's never going to leave us, he's never going to forsake us. We need to be brought up out of that gutter, but then there's also the people that are too proud of themselves that need to hear the message of we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. That we're reminded of the great gift of grace that we've been given and we need to show that to others because we freely received, so we need to freely give. You see, if you replace the lie with the reality of grace, guess what it does? It destroys both lies. It destroys the lie that I'm better than other people and it destroys the lie that I'm worthless and I have no value. If I replace the lie with the reality of grace, it brings me back to where I need to be. It brings me back to a place where I can walk in freedom, where I can rest, where I'm not having to live my life in order to try to impress other people or win their approval because my reality is grace. And when my reality is grace, then I'm going to not only receive that grace, but I'm going to dispense it to other people. The reality of grace is this. Here's the reality. And this is what you need to remind yourself of when the lies begin to creep up and when you begin to speak them and think them. Here's the reality of grace. God did not give us what we deserved. Jesus took what we deserved instead. That makes God awesome, not you. That's the reality of grace. This makes God awesome, not you. We make too many things about us. We make church about us. We make our work about us. We make our families and our marriage about us. God says, it's not about you. Jesus got down in the position of a servant and began to wash the feet of his disciples. In other words, he was saying, guys, listen, this is about serving. This is about taking the heart position of a servant. This is about recognizing the fact that it's not us that's doing the saving, but rather it's Jesus. Amen? It's, it, it's, it's Jesus in me, working in me for His good pleasure, for His glory, to show His love to the world. You see, this gives glory to the mercy and grace of God and not how awesome we are, how good we can discipline ourselves to follow certain regimens. Because you can try to follow certain regimens, and that's good. That's not a bad thing to try to develop discipline in your life, but your discipline is not going to save you. Your discipline is not even really going to bring you to a place of freedom. Instead, the thing that will really bring you into freedom is your perception of reality. Is your perception based on a grace reality or a reality that is grounded in lies? Because even if you try to discipline your way out of the struggles you have, and you try really, really hard to do really, really good, that can in and of itself become a bondage to you. Does anyone know what I'm talking about today? When you try really, really hard to do really, really good for a really long time, and that in and of itself becomes a bondage, and there's no freedom in it, you want to know why there's no freedom in it? Because you're looking to yourself instead of looking to the grace of God. 
Because if we look to the grace of God, it causes me to rest. Yeah, I may need some discipline in my life, but not the type of discipline that causes bondage, but rather the discipline that's a result of my awareness and my perception and my reality that I am valued, that I am loved. So it doesn't become a have-to-do. Instead, it becomes a get-to-do. You see, I don't have to do these things in order to get God's love. I get to do these things because I am loved. I don't have to go to church for God to like me. I get to go to church and worship with my church family because I love being with God and the people of God. You see, I don't have to do these things. I don't have to serve. I don't have to give. I get to do these things because of what he's done in my life. It's a completely different reality. One brings bondage, and one brings freedom and peace. You can be doing the same thing, but completely have a misconstrued perception about the why you're even doing it. See, that's the difference between having a grace reality and just believing the lie. You see, in turn, what this does is it gives us a glimpse. It gives us a glimpse into the character and the nature of God that would say you are valued so much that he paid the ultimate price and you're loved by the creator of the universe. And I know, man, I've been in church my whole life. I'm 34 years old and all I know is church, okay? Like, I've read the Bible, I've preached the Bible thousands of times, I've been in countless church services, and I know you've heard things like that before if you're anything like me. I know that you've heard Jesus loves you. I know you've heard God loves you. I know you've heard you're loved by the creator of the universe. I know you've heard you're forgiven. But is that your reality? Are you living out of that reality? Or are you still living bound, but you know those things? And there's a lot of things that I know, having grown up the way that I grew up, that are still not realities in my life because there's something that has to change. And it's the way I see myself. It's the way I see the fact that I'm forgiven. It's the way that I see the fact that I'm loved. It's my perception. It's my mind that needs to be renewed. It's, 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 it's my own blindness to thinking that I still have to somehow earn this thing that I somehow have to work my way into God's love instead of allowing His grace to be so huge that anything good is a result of my receiving that grace. Man, you can live out of a lie. You can be in church your whole life and live out of a lie. You can be doing good things for the poor your whole life and be living out of a lie. You can be volunteering in the church, reading your Bible, praying every day, and still living out of a lie. Because those things have brought bondage to you instead of freedom, and you're not enjoying Christ as He was meant to be enjoyed. You're not enjoying fellowshipping with the family of God like you were meant to enjoy it. You're not worshipping God like you were meant to worship Him. Because too often we do it out of religious duty and a sense of obligation or fear of what will happen if we slip up or we don't do it instead of doing it because we have a reality of the perception of the grace of God and what He's done in our life. If that were my reality, you would have a hard time keeping us 
away from Scripture. You would have a hard time keeping us away from worship. You would have a hard time keeping us from serving and giving and loving. You would have a hard time keeping the body of Christ from doing what the body of Christ is called to do. So instead of it being something that we try to convince and guilt people into doing, it would be something that we should be doing freely because we see our need and we see Him as the answer and His grace has become my reality. If I just try to do all of the Christian duties, man, we can get so caught up in bondage, but we have to renew our mind because the truth truly does set us free. You see, there's great rest in Christianity. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So many pastors and Christians and others have taken Christianity and placed a giant yoke of bondage upon people and they never feel like they're worth anything. And they never feel like they're good enough. And they keep going to church trying to learn how to try harder to do better. And instead of us moving forward with that perception and living out of that lie, we need to wake up to a fresh perspective and reality that it is by grace you are saved through faith, not from works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God that is a free gift. You see, we have to think differently. Philippians 4 and 8 tells us the types of things we need to think on. Paul says, whatsoever things are true. And then he lists a bunch of other things that are lovely, that are pure. Whatever things are a good report. He said, if there's any virtue, if there's any praiseworthy things to think on, you need to think on these types of things. You need to think on the things God wants you to think on and stop believing the lie. So here's the deal. Think on the things that bring you to a place of repentance and brokenness. That's not a bad thing. We as Christians should not be afraid of repentance and brokenness. We as people who call ourselves Christians who go to churches week in and week out should not be afraid of something that challenges us. We shouldn't just seek out things that make us feel good. Amen, somebody. But we should be willing to grow and mature, and that means we're going to have to be challenged. And when we're challenged, how are we going to respond to the challenge? Are we going to deviate from it and live in disillusionment and live in the lie? Or are we going to go, yes, I see something, and God is showing it to me. Here's my heart, Lord. Show me what's true. Show me the reality so I can deal with it. You see, thinking on good things will bring you to a place like that. It doesn't always bring you to a warm field with flowers and bunnies and birds and musicals. But sometimes it brings you to a place where you've got to face yourself. And that's not bad. That's not God shaming you. That's not God condemning you. That's not God saying, you big dummy, you should have figured this out. That's not the way God operates. That's God saying, I love you so much, I'm willing to show you something difficult because I know the freedom you'll experience if you're willing to do it my way instead of yours. You see, thinking on these things will bring you to a place where you recognize maybe you need to forgive others. Thinking on these things will bring you to a place where you recognize that maybe you've been living in a lie 
and you need to stop giving power to it. Or maybe, maybe thinking on the reality of grace may even awaken your heart to see your need for Jesus. Maybe today in this service, you, you've been going through the motions, you've been going to church maybe your whole life, and maybe today's the day that your heart just got awakened to your need for grace. Maybe you just for the very first time are seeing your need. Don't feel bad about that. God had this day and this time set up for you to hear this message so you could see his value that he has for you. So you could see your need, so you could see the answer to your need, not so you would be condemned or shamed. And maybe you've heard the gospel a hundred times, but you haven't responded to it. Maybe you've heard the message of truth, and you know so much truth, and you're so full of truth up here, but it hasn't translated to here because you've been self-deceived. And God is showing you you've been self-deceived, and you don't like it. And you would rather begin to stack up your accomplishments in order to justify the fact that you don't like the way that the truth makes you feel in that moment. Oh, oh look, look, looky here. No, I'm good. I'm good because look at all of these. Polishing the trophy. Why not just instead allow your heart to be tender to the message of the gospel to where you see your need instead of you giving into your own pride and your own accomplishments? It's perhaps not the day of salvation today for you and you didn't even realize you've been self-deceived thinking you could put your hope in your own accomplishments and you just are now awakening to grace. And he wants you to respond to grace today are you emulating his nature who is your father have you received his free gift of grace because if you haven't then let the message of grace set you free today and welcome you into a place of value and forgiveness if perhaps you've heard a lot of things over the course of your life that were good things well-intended things but they haven't become reality to you because you thought just knowing it was enough, but today something is stirring in your heart that is awakening your life to grace, then you need to respond to that by saying, Jesus, deal with my heart. I receive that need. I receive Jesus today. I put my hope and my faith and my trust in him. You see, if you haven't, you need to be set free today and know you're valued. So let's remind ourselves of his grace. Let's remind ourselves of how Christ sees us. We're forgiven. We're free. We're restored. We're full of hope. Let grace remind us not to think higher of ourselves than we should. But let grace remind us to give glory to God. It's truly Him that saved us and gave us value. It's truly Him that's awesome, not us. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.